Hey guys, welcome to Media Madness, a new podcast where I, your host, Glace, will discuss on Mondays and Fridays either a TV show, movie, or video game that is very near and dear to my heart. So in these episodes, I will be giving opinions, be discussing several parts of these media, and also um, giving my thoughts on different seasons or levels or different things like that. So... We're going to hop right into our first episode, and it's going to be about Survivor. If you've never heard of Survivor, I don't like you anymore. That's a joke. I love you for listening. Um, In Survivor, either 18 or 20 people, strangers, get marooned on an island in two teams of either like 9 or 10 or three teams of 6. number varies depending on season. But anyways, these strangers basically have to make their own shelter, get their own food, and have to survive in like a very minimalist lifestyle on an island while also creating strategies and forming alliances that will help get them to the 39th day, which is the last day of the game. Every three days or so, the teams have what's called an immunity challenge. And in this challenge, they'll do a big physical activity, which like get like a chest to the other side of this area, but do it in like this lucrative way That's ridiculous, like pull it along a cart or like swim this length, swim out of the ocean with like a 300 pound snake and everyone has to hold part of the snake. It's not a real snake. Um, And so basically the winning team, which are called tribes, uh, the winning tribe gets immunity for that week's episode and the losing team has to go to tribal council in which the host, the amazing Jeff Probst, grills the tribe uh, about how they've been doing as a tribe and how what's been going on like socially and like what type of climate they have going on at the team. So then comes the fun part where everyone has to vote for somebody and the person with the most votes leaves the island and they're out of the game. And this cycle, comp- uh, this cycle repeats until about 13 people in which... The 13 come together and they merge into one big tribe and it goes from being a team game to an individual game. This is where people start wanting to build their resumes for the end. This is where people start to do more crazy things like they'll say more crazy things to try to stir the pot. Um, more alliance, more inter-tribe alliances are being formed. So like one guy from this team could go with the guy from the other team and they form an alliance. Um, and it's also where individual immunity, where they do smaller scale, like endurance challenges, uh, take over. And that's where they do those challenges. And the winner gets individual immunity where only that person who won the immunity challenge is safe for the night and every other person can be voted out. Uh, This all cultivates until day 39 in which like the nine or 10 people who were voted out after the merge become who became the jury. So they all live on a separate island, but they're like living in like luxury. So they've got like burgers and all that. They get they get to grill the final two or three in something that's called the final tribal council in which they have like an open forum discussion where. Any member of the jury can grill any member of the final three, ask them questions, and then the final three have to give their best response to why they should win the game and the million dollars that come with the title of sole survivor. 
Now, then the jury votes, and instead, and whoever has the most votes at the end of the live show gets the million dollars in the title. Um, so there's high stakes at the end of day 39. So you want to have to made those moves to get yourself to day 39 while having those moves in your resume to say, hey, I made big moves. I deserve to win this game. Uh, so that's a basic rundown of the show. There's a lot more like twists that I will get into uh, in part two of this episode. Part one, which is today, we'll just be going over like some opinions on players seasons and all that and then part two will be opinions on twists so like hidden immunity idols um opinions on challenges and like why i think some challenges are better than others challenges i'd like to see more of things like that uh so i'm gonna get the ball rolling real quick with my first uh question that i had pre-planned for this and that's gonna be uh, who I think the most overrated player is. And so this is where I'd like to introduce a new segment. The first of this segment, it's called Unpopular Opinions, in which I share an extremely unpopular opinion. And I'm probably going to get absolutely ripped apart in the comments for this, but I don't care. Unpopular opinion of the week is Joe and Aubrey are overrated and they're terrible players. Okay, so... If you don't know who Joe is, Joe Anglum, he's played three times. His first time he played was Survivor um, Worlds Apart Season 30. I believe he got 10th place. Yeah, he got 10th place. Um, and the reason he was voted out was because he was a big physical threat. Uh, after the merge, which was at 11 that season, he won the first three immunity challenges, which was a big yikes. Actually, no, he only won two. Uh, he went on a bit of an immunity run. So people were like, if he keeps going, um, he could potentially win the game because he's so scary and good at these challenges. So they voted him out promptly because they were like, oh, he's going to get voted. He's going to beat us all in these challenges. Uh, the second time he played was in Cambodia's Second Chance, which was the first season I ever watched, season 32. Kind of sucked for me to watch that as my first. Actually, sorry, that was season 31. Um, kind of sucked for it to be my first season to watch because it was an all-returning player season. So everyone's here like, oh yeah, the first time I played, I did this, this, and this. I'm like, you played for a first time, sis? Um, so that was something that I kind of had to get over after my first time watching. Um, he got eighth place because he went on another individual immunity run. He won four challenge. He won the first four challenges, and then there was a bigger threat on the table for the fifth time. This is the, the first time he lost, so they voted. So they voted the bigger threat out. But then he was the biggest immunity threat. Um, he actually passed out in the challenge. That's how much he had put into the challenge. Uh, but then got voted out that night because he was such a big threat in the game to win all the challenges. And yeah, and then his most recent appearance is season 38, uh, Survivor Edge of Extinction, which is the most recent season. It just finished up a couple of weeks ago, end of May. Um, and this was his worst performance by far. Um, he was voted out uh, after the merge, like directly after the merge because he lost the first challenge. His entire alliance just absolutely crumbled and turned on him 
because they were like, oh, if he's here, if he doesn't win now, we can uh, get him out. We can get if he doesn't win here, we can get him out later. But no, he was probably going to win more challenges. So there was no point in him in keeping him around. So they were like, yes, let's vote him out. Um, but people, the reason why I don't like him, people are always like, he's such a good player. He plays the game really hard. Um, I would say that's a complete and utter lie. Um, Joe does not play this game strategically at all. Joe is one of the worst strategists I've ever seen in this entire game. Um, he basically just relies on his brawn to get him through the game. Like, I've never seen him approach anyone to make an alliance. I've never seen him, like, actually be like, make a strategic move. I've never seen him go looking for a hidden immunity idol. I've never seen any of that from him. He's just like, oh yeah, if I win this challenge, I'll be good. And he's always been placed on strong tribes, except for in his first season, he got put on absolute crap tribes. Uh, but anyways, yeah, he never makes a good move. He cannot win a chat. He could not find an idol to save his life. And people are like, oh my God, he's like the best player ever. Like he's up there with survivor legend, Ozzy, who I also think is very overrated. I've never seen Ozzy make a strategic move later, but that's for another time. So... Um, yeah, I just really don't think Joe is a very good player at all. Um, very disappointing finish this last season. Like, everyone thought he was going to go really far. Um, the entire community was like, oh my god, he's going to be the greatest player this season. He's finally going to win. Uh, and he was shaping up to be in the first season, in the first half of the season, because he never went to tribal council. But if you don't go to tribal council, then you're not really playing the game. You're not having to do anything strategic. You're not having to ever do anything. You're just sitting back and relaxing. You win seven challenge, seven challenges, sorry. Um, you never have to do anything. Like Joe in Survivor Cambodia could not be voted out until day 29. It's like, yeah, sorry, 27. Everyone's like, yeah. Like everyone's like, oh yeah, that's so good. Like he was such a good player that he wasn't able to get voted out till day 27. But I'm just over here like, no, it's just that he's the most athletic guy ever out here. Like, it's not because he's a smart player. He rely, he knows he relies on his brawn, yet he doesn't try to change his play style. Joe has never made it to day 39, and there's a reason because of that. It's because he doesn't know how to play the game. He keeps saying that he's going to make it because he's a good player. But Joe... Bottom line, does not know how to play Survivor. I'm sorry if you think he does, but he doesn't. He's never played a strategic game. He never will. He literally, his most strategic move was standing in a place by accident when he overheard a conversation about someone trying to get him out in Edge of Extinction. That is the smartest thing he's ever done. I'm sorry if you think so, but seriously, that's it. And then my other unpopular opinion was that Aubrey is a good player. Like, no offense to Aubrey. She's a smart player. She was a smart player. Let's just, let's just get, out, get that out of the way. I'm not talking about her first season. Her first season, she played an amazing game. She deserved to win that game. Even though I was a big fan of Ty that season, Aubrey deserved to win this game. Aubrey convinced Ty to flip on his biggest alliance so that... This super idol that I'll go into later would not get played. Ty had an idol, 
and Jason had an idol. And Jason had one immunity that night. So Jason gave his idol to Scott, this guy Scott. So Scott, who is also a former NBA player, Scott Pollard, uh, uh, Scott has part of the idol and Ty has an idol. Now, normally you have to play an, a hidden immunity idol before the votes are read. Je- Jeff will ask, does anyone have a hidden immunity idol? Because now is the time to do so, to play it. Now is the time to do so. And then they'll play the idol and it can be either completely wasted or it can be completely a savior to someone's game. But because Scott and Ty had these, t- these two parts to the idol, they could form together to form this thing called the super idol. The super idol could be played after the votes have been read. So if either Ty or Scott got voted out that night, it didn't matter because they could play their super idol and the, next, and the person with the next highest amount of votes would go home. But Aubrey made a brilliant decision here and was able to get Ty, who was still kind of iffy with Jason and Scott, to flip and vote Scott out without playing the idol. Now, Aubrey also was able to masterfully do this because she... Sorry. Aubrey was able to masterfully do this because she got no, she got no blood on her hands. She got away with this scot-free. Everyone immediately looked to Ty as the big threat in the game. No one saw that Aubrey was playing this quiet game where she was getting people to flip on their alliances. She was just playing an, one of the best games I've ever seen. Like this, her Korong game was one of the best games I've ever seen. I don't know why she lost to Michelle. Michelle was not a good player. Michelle was friendly with some people. And they're like, yeah, that deserves to win. She won two immunity challenges because no one else could win two immunity challenges. Oh my god, that instantly makes her the best player this game has seen. Not to mention she's coming back for the all-winner season. Like, oh my god. Um, but then her last two performances have been nothing but disappointing. Like, she got carried through Survivor Game Changers an all-returning season. She literally got carried um, Ty played an idol on her, like, come on, you couldn't have found the idol on your own, like, you, she, had Ty play the idol for her, and like, yeah, she, she had a few votes here and there, but those votes were from people who weren't doing anything. In the second tribal council, she got a throwaway vote from Sandra to make it look like Tony, like, she wasn't the one who voted Tony. And then Tony voted Aubrey because that's what Sandra told her. So, yeah, like, that makes no sense. We'll throw those votes away. She, Zeke voted for her out of just nowhere because that's what Zeke was told. Sari voted, she got voted for by Sari during um, the double episode. And then Ty played her idol on her at the final six. Now, Aubrey never made a move this game. Aubrey was the quiet player. She had, like, seven confessionals. Like, that's what it seemed like. She never did anything. She was whining and complaining a lot. She was never on the side of numbers. Only a couple times. She was there for the Haley vote. She was there for the Debbie vote. And she was there for the Zeke vote. But that was it. Um, she was constantly getting backstabbed by everybody. Um... She had to be carried halfway through the game. Like, halfway through the game, I know I've been saying that she's been getting carried. I'll explain that now. 
she kind of just went to Ty and was just like, Ty, I need you. So then Ty was the one making all the moves for her. And she was kind of just sitting back, relaxing, coasting through the game. And then out of nowhere, um, she gets, she's, gets in trouble with uh, Troy Zan, Brad, and Sarah, the power trio that ran the whole game. Which I admit, Sarah was a brilliant winner in that season. She made a brilliant move to get Sierra out and then get into that power trio. That was a brilliant move. Um, but Aubrey just kind of just was a goat the whole season. She didn't do anything. There was nothing. She she had the opportunity to make big moves, but she didn't. And that was like her big law of the season she had so many opportunities to make big moves but then she didn't like i don't know maybe the debbie vote was her idea but i don't say that's a big move because debbie is just debbie um and then you go to her edge of extinction and that is just one of the saddest things i've ever seen this is one of like the worst performances i've ever seen from from a returning player i might add she won the first five immunity challenges so she wasn't going home she was she was on the bottom of her original comma tribe the original comma tribe which was the tribe she was on with joe i might add she was on the bottom of that tribe and she knew she was on the bottom and then when the team swap occurred the tribe swap occurred she got put onto a tribe with three other commas who she knew she that didn't like her and then a person named Wendy, who Wendy was kind of just an oddball of the season. Kind of like Wendy, though. She was kind of cool. Um, but Aubrey knew she was on the bottom with these people. She knew that they wanted her out on her original tribe. And yet, she has an idol in her pocket. She has an extra secret advantage from Rick Devins. Love that guy. One of the best players of all time. Um, she has a secret advantage from Rick Devins that gives her an extra vote and she doesn't play anything. She just sits there. She sits there all cocky like, yeah, you're going home, Wendy. And she thought she was the swing vote. She was like, yeah, I'm the swing vote. Yeah, it's either Wendy or it's uh, Eric going home. She was so clueless. Like, how do you not pick up on this? You are a third time player. One of the, sm thought to be one of the smartest players of all time. I don't, I don't know about that. But you are a returning player for the third time. And you are not going to see coming that three people that didn't like you on your original tribe are now going to vote you out. It's like, what are you thinking? You're so dumb. So Aubrey doesn't make it to the final, does not make it even to the merge. Like, that was disappointing. She didn't even make it to the merge. She was on Extinction Island with Reem and Chris and Keith. Like, come on. Like, come on. Like, those are all the misfits. Those are like the three misfits that were the first people voted off. Like, come on, Aubrey. You can do better than this. But anyways, that's the end of unpopular opinions. I know it's more of a rant than me giving an unpopular opinion. So now I'm going to go to the other side of things. Now I get, just gave you my overrated players. I'm going to give my most underrated players. And one of the most underrated players I, I think actually is there is Todd Herzog. People, 
talk about don't talk about Survivor China enough. That is such a good season. You have Chicken, Chicken Morris. Oh my God! One of the most iconic moments ever. Screaming "Damn!" when he got voted off. Just come on. That's an iconic moment. Um, you have other iconic moments as James getting flushed out of the game with two idols in his pocket. Like, dude, he played, he had two hidden immunity idols, two of them. He was given one of them and he knows that he's at the bottom of his alliance. And Todd, one of the smartest people to ever play this game, just shows up and just is like, hey, why don't we vote out James? He's got two hidden immunity idols. We can get them out of the game. And James falls for it. One of the best players ever. Um, but Todd is mostly known for um, his amazing jury speech that he gave. Uh, basically, the art of war. Basically, the jury basically got mad at him for lying to people. He was the, viewed as one of the biggest liars of the game, but Todd justified his actions and that uh, he had, that Todd justified his actions by saying that he, from day one, was playing the game, that he had never once, like, let go, like, taken his foot off the pedal. He was playing the game from day one. He was trying to play a strategic game, game from day one. And when the jury asked him the questions he needed, he gave this great Art of War speech. It was really good because, like, you know, they were in China, so he gave a good Art of War speech, which you gotta love. John Robert, probably one of the... John Robert, just one of the loudest, cockiest players to ever play Survivor. Had a great fight with Courtney, but just John Robert was left speechless like he could like he had his jaw open during this speech he was so impressed by todd that he originally went in like saying he was gonna vote for courtney but then todd he was like speechless at todd's vote and people don't give todd enough credit like he was able to make it through uh the entire game never won an immunity challenge. He's one of, I think, like seven winners to never win an immunity challenge. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Todd is one of seven people to never win an immunity challenge and win the game, which I find extremely impressive because he never had the physical stuff to go up against people like Frosty, even though he got Frosty out very quickly. Um, he also got people James out. He was, he, unlike Joe, he didn't need to rely on his brawn because he was just so smart. He was able to manipulate his way through the game. He was able just to be an extremely smart player, to that one of the smartest players the game has ever seen. And now, um, another pe person... Actually, no, let me talk about Todd a little more. Uh, Todd, um, Todd also never really had to worry where it mattered at the beginning because... He was always in a comfortable position. He made early on a, a four person, a three person alliance with Amanda and Courtney, and I feel like that really helped like move his game forward because that ended up being the final three of the season. And later on, he made an alliance with Denise. Um, so Denise was this really entertaining character. Um, she played Survivor. Uh, she not Survivor. She was. Uh, 
um, a cook. She's like a school lunch lady, and I find that hilarious. She was like always talking about like how she was a school lunch lady and how the kids would be like her kids would like be a little disappointed in her, but her kids love like what was going on. Um, but he really made those bonds that mattered that projected him to, to the end game that really got him to the end and won him the game. Um, he also was able to pull off the Jamie blind side in which um, he left the, the the shell of the hidden immunity idol he found and gave to, to uh, James. He left a shell of it and um, Jamie found it and she thought it was the hidden immunity idol and she played it. Um, and she got voted off that week. It was actually hilarious. And then... I'm just going to say there's one more person that I really think is underrated. People really don't talk about this player at all, but I personally believe she's one of the best players to ever play the game, and that's Denise. Uh, Denise was from uh, Survivor Philippines, in which in this season they brought back three players who had been medically evacuated from the game. They brought back Jonathan Penner. I don't know why they didn't bring someone else back. But I feel like they just wanted Jonathan Penner back, even though he had been already back for his set. That was his third time, and it was the other guy's second time. Um, they brought back Jonathan Penner. They brought back Michael Scoopin. We don't talk about Michael Scoopin anymore. Um, and they brought back Russell Swan. So Denise was uh, placed on the Matt Singh tribe. And this is Denise Stapley. Her name is Denise Stapley, not that Denise I was just talking about, but Denise was placed on the Matt Singh tribe. And if you know anything about bad survivor tribes or anything like that, you'll know that the Matt Singh tribe is one of the worst tribes to ever play survivor. They won a grand total of zero challenges. Uh, They were a team of six, by the way. It was Denise Malcolm, who's one of the most likable players of all time, um, and Russell Swan. But and three others who were just kind of randos because they got voted off. Um, so Denise was on the, this terrible tribe. Um, they never won a challenge. She had to go to the first four. Actually, she went to every single tribal council of the season. She was there as a witness to every single elimination in the season because when she got swapped on to Kalabau. In episode five, she was there for the, um, for, what's her name? Forget her name. Uh, Sarah, I think it is. Um, but she was there for, um, Dana. Dana. She was there for Dana's meta, uh, quitting. So she was there. She saw every single elimination in the game. So she went to every tribal council including Day 39 Tribal Council, which she had a really good Day 39 Tribal Council. I'll get to that in a second. But she almost always was voting in the majority, except for two times when she voted uh, for Jonathan for Penner one time and Abby Maria for the second time. But they both played idols. They would have gone home, but they both played idols. Actually, no, Abby Maria wasn't. Yeah, actually, Abby was going to go home. Um, but... She was a really good, really good at reading people and was really able to get her way into more strategic positions. She made an early alliance with uh, Malcolm, which really helped her out, seeing as 
Malcolm was kind of a meat shield for her because of how like athletic he was. Malcolm's one of the most athletic players to ever play. He's one of the most likable, but Malcolm was kind of like a meat shield for her. So no one ever saw those two as working together because they were so different. Malcolm was like buff with like always like bro dude with all the other guys. And uh, Denise was playing a more quiet and strategic game. And in the end, she ended up voting out Malcolm at the final four, which was actually really smart because everyone loses to Malcolm at the final three just because of the game he's played. Because for some reason, uh, a lot of jury people uh, like a more physical game over a more strategic game. So like if you win more immunity challenges, I I feel like in most seasons that gets you more points with the jury than actually making a strategic move, which I find stupid because you're supposed to, one of the things is outwit and that's supposed to be like how you outsmart people. Um, but, um, Denise, uh, obviously lost to my, uh, lost to Malcolm and even like Michael in even scooping in the final three because, um, she just didn't have the big move to check off her list. But then when she orchestrated the Malcolm vote out, the blind side, um, that was a big move that she made. So that was one of the moves that helped propel her forward to win the game. But people also don't realize her early game, she didn't get any blood on her on herself from like the Angie vote out. She know, Malcolm was not mad at her for that, even though he should have because Malcolm was in a very close alliance with Angie early on. I believe it was until like episode three when Angie got voted out. But she very smartly like avoided getting Malcolm mad at her by then immediately pinning the blame on blame on Russell and immediately getting Malcolm to believe that she's with him. She was going to get him to the final three or whatever she promised him. And she just overall played a very strategic uh, game. Um, yeah, she played just a really strategic game. She won an individual immunity, which is always nice. That is good for your resume, like I said. People like uh, having things on their resumes. Um, people, uh, the jury likes to see it when you have a individual immunity win because that shows you can hold your own in the challenges. Denise especially needed that because, you know, she never went, she went to every tribal council, which is a little scary. Um, and then there's also the fact that she got a couple of surprising votes that I don't think I expected her to get. Um, like, I didn't expect her to get Jeff's vote. I definitely expected Jeff to vote for uh, Scoopin in that tribal council, in that situation, in Lisa versus Scoopin versus... Uh, Denise, I definitely expected Jeff to vote scoop in, but you never know. Just also gotta, for Survivor Philippines, gotta give a shout out to my boy Artis. Uh, he had like two confessionals the entire season. They totally gave him the purple edit, which means that like they gave you like an edit in which you don't exist at all. Um, so just gotta give a shout out to my boy Artis. He didn't exist in the season. I feel bad for him. He came on Survivor, applied for like 15 years. And they never gave him the edit he was looking for. Um, so now, 
how we've cleared out my underrated players and my overrated players. Um, I'm going to talk about my favorite players. So I'm going to give my top three from three to one because, you know, I'm about liking players and I need to give my favorite players before people get mad at me. Uh, so my number thir- three player uh, is actually the most re- one of the most recent players. It's Rick Evans. I mean, how can you not get this guy like this guy? Also, I just found out his name is Patrick, which kind of makes me sad. Uh, I thought his name was actually Rick. Um, so Rick Devins is from Macon, Georgia. He is a morning he's a he's a morning news anchor. Um, this guy was so good in this season. This guy was constantly on the bottom of almost every single vote after the merge, and he managed to win immunity challenges. He found those immunity idols when he needed it most. And this got him all the way to final four, final four. And then in one of the most, and he probably would have made it against Gavin or Julie, who were the two people that did not win immunity um, in the final four. Instead, it was Chris who won immunity. Um, Don't think Chris should have won that season. Definitely should have been Gavin, but hey, um, what am I to know? I was not there for that season, so I was not present during Final Tribal, so I wouldn't know, but Rick Evans beats Julie, beats Gavin in the fire-making tiebreaker, but then in probably one of the most ballsiest moves I've ever seen, just so that he can get out Rick Evans and put something on his resume that says that's like the biggest move of the game, which is get out Rick Evans, who's been the threat since the merge started, Chris gives up his immunity necklace at the final four so that he can then go into the fire-making tiebreaker with Rick to then beat Rick, make it to final three, and then win the whole game. Now, Rick was definitely deserving to win that game. He, ne- he knew that immediately that he was the one going into the fire-making tiebreaker at after that challenge was over, just because he knew he was the biggest threat to win the game. He played the perfect game. He had he had the story. He came back from the edge of extinction on day like 17. He got voted out by his tribe and then came out, came back from the edge of extinction in one of the most triumphant wins ever because he beat Chris. He beat... Yeah, mostly he beat Chris. Um, but he also beat like Aubrey, he beat Keith, because you know, everyone likes Aubrey. Um yeah, so Rick Devins came back, he had the story, he had those immunity challenge wins that were that people really wanted to see. He had the strategy in there. Like he wanted to get out he he really wanted to get out Aurora. Just gonna put that out there. He voted for Aurora three times and then in the vote that they got Aurora out, he didn't even vote Aurora. Oh, wait, did he? Yes, he did vote Aurora. Never mind. Um, but um, he made a lot of big moves. He was one of the driving forces in my Kelly Went- and Kelly Wentworth getting voted out. That was a sad day in my life when uh, Wardog tur- when Rick Evans got Wardog to turn when Wardog turned on Kelly Wentworth and got Rick and Ron. That was the big one. Um, Rick's speech about 
uh, Rick's speech against Ron, that was one of the greatest moments of the season where Ron on day one found an advantage that lasted until day nine. And the advantage was like a menu in which you could get one of three things from the menu. And one of them was an immunity, was individual immunity at tribal council. So Rick tries to play it and instantly everyone's like, oh dang. And then Jeff tells Rick, hey man, this doesn't work. This ran out on day nine. So Rick then goes on a speech about like how Ron was trying to embarrass him and like how Ron was like being deceitful and all that. So then he pulls out his real idol and everyone's blown away. Everyone's like, oh my God, what just happened? And it's a very satisfying thing because you know that you knew what the emotions that Rick was feeling in that moment. Um, You know that he was just mad. He felt embarrassed because like he fell for that. So Rick obviously was just threw down the aisle. He was like, I'm playing this for myself. And he sat down and that was just it. That was just one of the big moments of the season. That's when this season got into my top 15. Like right there, I was just like, this is one of the smartest players I've ever seen. This is one of the greatest players ever. People love this player. I already know. And um, yeah, just people are going to remember this season for Rick Devins. And people are going to like this season because of Rick Devins. He then was one of the people, one of the driving forces in Victoria's elimination, who was an under-the-radar player. She was an extremely smart player, uh, played an extremely smart game. Um, just, it was him and, um, it was him and Chris. It was really Rick's idea to do the vote out. Um, so Rick just was just like, let's get Victoria out. She's a big threat in this game. And yeah, so Rick and Chris were kind of just like, let's get Victoria out. We really need her out. She's probably going to win if she makes it to the final tribal council. Feels bad for Gavin because she said, cause Gavin said that she was going to, she said she was going to vote Gavin and then didn't and voted for Chris instead, which, you know, that must hurt right there. But you know, you can't win all of them. Gavin in his dorky pineapple shirt at the finale. That was kind of funny. Um, but then Rick Devins wins the final five immunity. And that was one of the smartest moves. He made not one, but two fake idols. He pulled a Bob Crowley uh, and made two fake and made a fake idol and then made a second one and hid them in the same spot that they were originally hidden. And then... Julie and Lauren find the, find the fake ones while Devins finds the real one because it gave him time to find the real one if everyone else found the fake ones. And then the girls play their fake idols at tribal council and Devins is successfully able to get the Lauren vote because if, those, if she had found the real idol because, you know she had a real idol before, then he wouldn't have been able to get out one of the big threats in the game. She wasn't really a big threat, but she was still a threat. Bigger threat than Julie. Bigger threat than Chris at the time. Um, Chris should have gone... Chris should definitely not have won this game. Just going to put that out there. 
Um, sorry if for y'all Chris fans should not have won that game. Um, he won because he had an idol that the producers gave him, which kind of sucks. Um, yeah. So those are my thoughts on Rick Devins. Early on, I knew he was going to be a big part of this season just because of the edit they gave him. He had the fir- he had one of the first confessionals of the season. He was always very vocal at Tribal. They were always showing his thoughts on everything. So I, I knew early on that Rick Devins was going to be a good player and that he was going to be a player that went far in the season. Also, I kind of just like him because in the first season, first episode, he said uh, he was going to be the, uh, the Kool-Aid man who was going to bust through the wall. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that kind of just made me like Rick Devins, my homeboy, because, you know, the Kool-Aid man is a real celebrity. Okay, so number two best player um, is I know a lot of people think that she's overrated, um, and I can somewhat agree with you, um, but my second favorite player of all time is Kelly Wentworth. Uh, Recently also on the edge of extinction with Rick Devins, uh, did not do as well as Rick Devins. Failed to get out Rick Devins, got him out once, and then lost. So that kind of sucked for her. Um, But basically, I just like Kelly Wentworth because Kelly Wentworth was the first person I ever picked to win the game. Because my first season was Cambodia's second chance. And so I watched the first episode, and I saw her get that idol. I was just like, I want Kelly Wentworth to win this game. And so I was just always a big friend, fan of Kelly Wentworth. Um, she made some of my favorite moves in Survivor history. She forced the Andrew vote out, the Andrew Savage vote out, which is by far one of the greatest votes ever done. I don't, that was still one of the craziest votes ever. Basically what happened was there was a majority of like eight people, nine people. There was a majority of nine people and then there was... Kelly, this girl, Abby, who everyone hated, and then there was um, Sierra. Sierra and Abby were not that big, like, threats. No one thought anything of them. So everyone was kind of just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelly Wentworth is the biggest threat of the three. She might have an idol. They didn't know. They didn't know if she had the idol or not, but they weren't taking any chances. They were just going to vote her. They didn't even try to do a, a like a split vote, which would have ensured someone else going home. But Kelly Wentworth plays her idol at the final 12 and negates nine votes against her. So you're just watching this like for the first time and you see someone just negating nine votes. And it set the record for the most votes ever negated with one immunity idol. So... Everyone lost their minds about this. And then you... But then you're like, wait, who did they target? And they flip over the first vote. And it's Savage, who is like the glue that was holding together the other... Um, like You see that it's like the glue that was holding together the alliance. He was like the big force. Let's get Kelly out. Let's get Kelly out. Let's get these guys out. And then you just see him flip over the the two votes for Savage, and it's the two votes that are enough to vote him out. And that's where you start to realize Kelly Wentworth is a bigger threat than I expected. Because Kelly went out 
fifth in her first season. So then once you see that she made this big move, she starts to become a more strategic player. And then she starts to play the game really hard. And from there, she just becomes one of the most strategic players to ever play the game. She was on the bottom. Like, she was on the bottom of the, of the entire tribe for, like, ever. And she's still managed to get fourth place over, like, not threats like Joe. Like, seri- like big threats like Joe, um, Abby, like, not so much threats like Steven and, like, um, what's her name? Sierra. Like, those... Those people could have easily made Final Four, but it was because she was able to think so strategically and get people from the bottom and, like, work from the bottom and use voting blocks and, like, be able to convince people for, like, one or two votes to work with her. She was able to play such a good game. And then then there's there's Edge of Extinction. She played a pretty good game for the first half of Edge of Extinction. She was the big one going after Reem, the big one... Uh, she was in the Keith vote. She was in on the Chris vote. She was the one leading the Rick Devins vote, which was very sad when those two turned on each other. I was just like, don't do this to me. Uh, she was big on the Rick Devins vote. And then after the merge, that's when you started to see her kind of emerge as trying to like do cross-alliance vote outs. Like she voted David twice, got him voted out, but then she knew when she needed to vote Eric, vote Julia. She knew that she needed to vote those guys. And then she got voted out with an idol in her pocket. We don't talk about that. She knew she was in the majority. And then there was nothing she could have done. Like, it's not, it's not like Aubrey. People are like, where I was flipping out about Aubrey, where Aubrey was not, knew that she did not like these people. Like, they, she knew that they didn't like her. And that she knew that she was on the bottom. Kelly Wentworth, before this vote, was in a majority alliance that had voted together for two votes. So she thought, and everyone else at home thought, that she was still stable, the entire alliance was stable, and that no one was going to turn on her. She had no opportunity to learn that they were going to turn on her. It was a blind side, and that's what, that's what a blind side is. Blindsided is when the person doesn't know. She was blindsided. Aubrey was not blindsided because Aubrey knew beforehand that these people did not like her. So that's where the difference between these two people, these two very similar plays happen, where they both got sent home with an idol in their pocket. However, it's different in the terms of. Kelly did not see it coming because she couldn't have seen it coming because she was so close with this alliance and that her closest ally turned on her. Whereas with Aubrey, it was the people that she knew were going to turn on her turned on her and she just walked right into it and didn't play and played along with it. Okay. We're also not going to talk about San Juan del Sur because, you know, we didn't really see much of her because she was the fifth person voted out. Uh, I was very glad that she got her second chance in Cambodia. So, yeah. So now we're going to get to my favorite uh, player of all time. So if you've met me before, you may or may not know this. But my favorite player of all time is Eric Reichenbach. Um, Yeah, I know. He made some dumb decisions. 
Um, he was a really dumb player his first season. He was a little under the radar in his second season. But Eric just is my favorite player. Like, I, I don't know why he just is. In his first season, he won three individual immunities, was constantly on the bottom. Um, if you saw in the, uh, on the IRI, not IRI, on the Molokal tribe after the tribe swap, he was on the bottom. He was a fan. The fans were getting picked off one by one, and it was either him. Uh, a lot of times it was either him or Chet or him or somebody else, him or Tracy. You saw a lot of times he was on the bottom, and he was only saved because he was um, because he was more athletic than Amy. But then they didn't even need Eric in the next place because they immediately merged after that. Now, Eric is one of my favorites also because he is the last man standing. There are no other men by the time he gets voted out on day 36 of his first season. He is um, he's the last man standing. The Black Widow Brigade had voted at every other man. Um, I firmly believe, along with many others in the Survivor community, that if Eric had not given up his individual immunity... At the final five, Eric would have won the season. Eric would have most definitely won the season. He could have easily won those immunity challenges. Eric would would have won. Like, there's no question about it. Um, Eric also, for some reason, voted Amanda um, to win. Although, that's a questionable choice. I still think that he's a great player. He was strategic for the most part. Like, everyone gives him flack. Slack, I mean, sorry about giving up immunity and being, like, this dumb survivor player. But then if you look at his other plays, like, you see that he was being a smart player. Like, he only got votes twice from Amy, Chet, and Tracy. Amy because she was on the bottom, and Chet and Tracy because, you know, they were also on the bottom, and they were trying to get one of the other fans out. Hello. Um, They were trying to get one of the other fans out. So basically... Um, I don't think Eric was a dumb decision. He was just a young kid, and he got fooled over by some of the greatest players of all time. He was a fan of the game, and being a fan of the game doesn't always translate to being good at the game. He got manipulated by Parvati, one of the greatest players of all time. I, I will argue that to my grave. Parvati is one of the greatest players to ever play this game. Suri, one of the greatest strategic threats to ever play this game, to ever play the game. Amanda, one of the most dominant, literal, I don't want to say it, but she used like her charm to get further in the game. She's one of, a great strategist. She's great at challenges. Like she got, he got fooled over by three of the greatest players of all time. And this was his first time playing. I, it was like, when was this season? Wait, let me... Survivor Micronesia was filmed in, 2000, in 2007. Eric is 33 years old. This was 12 years ago. Eric was 21. Eric was barely over the, the age to be able to play this game. Eric was 21. He was still a young kid. He was an ice cream scooper from... Freaking hell, Michigan. Like, seriously, you're the thing an ice cream scooper is going to be able to be on par with 
Parvati and Amanda and Sari, like, Natalie, no one cares about you, but um, Amanda, Sari, and Parvati are some of the greatest players to ever play this game. And the fact that he made it to the final five with barely blo any blood on his hand, he got, like, no votes against him. He's just a great player. He voted Amanda uh, during the Immunity Idol vote. I mean, that could have gone a little better. But no one knew about the Immunity Idol except... No, not even Parvati knew about the Immunity Idol. So, yeah, he played a great game. And that's not even to mention his game in... Uh, what's it called? Survivor... Um, uh, uh, Cameroon. He played another good game. He stayed in the middle. He played the middle very well. He barely received any votes. He probably would have made it to the final three over Sherry had it made, had he not been medevaced on day 36, once again finishing in fifth place, which I find very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, day 30, he made it to day 36 again with once again, he got, this time he had two votes for him. And that was for Reynold, who it was Reynold, and Eddie, who. It was Eddie. They were both on the bottom during their vote, during those votes, and they were kind of just throwing out votes. Now, Eric wasn't always in the majority in this season. He wasn't always in the majority in his first season, but he did get a lot of uh, correct votes. Like he wasn't in the majority for the first vote, but that was was that was when he wasn't in Stealth RS, so he wasn't quite in Stealth RS yet. So he was. So he voted Andrea in the first vote. But then he was recruited to Stealth RS 2.0. And that was one of the most dominant um, games ever played. Stealth RS 2.0 is one of the most dominant alliances. Had Eric in it. It had Philip who got screwed over by Malcolm. That was actually kind of funny. Um, but it had Cochran. And Cochran ran this whole game. Like, seriously? Cochran ran, won the most immunity challenges over Malcolm. Like, Cochran... One of the greatest players of all time. Played the second perfect game to ever be played. Got no votes against him. They got every single jury vote. But you see that at the beginning, uh, Eric was kind of just like not doing so hot. Like he voted Andrea his first thing. But then after the Andrea vote, he got the next four votes that he, four votes that he went to. He got them all right. He got Brandon out. He got Corinne. He got Michael. He got Philip. He was one of four people to vote Philip after that thing, and that helped him play the middle. Like, he voted Philip, and his alliance wasn't mad at him. Like, they didn't even try gunning for him after that. Like, they weren't mad that they betrayed him. He went right back to being in Stealth R Us. Like, he was it, was, it was fantastic. Like, he was able to get into the alliance and then be in the alliance vote out the head of the alliance, then come back to the alliance and act like it was no big deal. And they were like, welcomed him back with open arms. And then he voted Malcolm on both the re-vote and the regular vote. So that right there was good. And then he also got Andrea out during his reign with individual immunity. Like, that's a smart play right there. Like, Andrea had an immunity idol on hand. So even though he was a really quiet player, I really liked Eric's gameplay in Cameroon and Micronesia, where he was a little bit of a louder player. Um, but yeah, that's just why I love him so much. He's able to balance both a strategic and un both a strategic and underrate the under the radar gameplay 
and a physical game all at once. He was able to kick it into high gear in the last few tribals and the last few episodes of both seasons, even though, tragically, he got voted out 36, day 36, was ev- medically evacuated day 36. Um, I just think that he's an amazing player of the game. He's very underrated, but not as underrated as the two that I named before. Um, so, uh, before I go, this is good. This is it for part one of this episode. Part two comes out on Friday. Uh, but before I go, I'm going to leave you guys with a question that I want you to answer in the comments. Also give feedback in the comments, please. Thank you. Um, but that question is going to be, do you believe Boston Rob is overrated? Personally, I'm actually not going to say. I'm actually going to leave my opinion for next week. That's what, how we're going to start out next week. Um, yeah, well, anyways, I had a great time talking to you guys. This has been Mania Madness. Have a great day.